Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Sure Top Roofing presents the Carolina Contractor with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And it's Father's Day weekend, so happy Father's Day. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. I'm Eric Smith with our host, Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing. How you doing, Donnie? Everything's great. How are you? Doing really good. If you want to go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, you can see stuff we've talked about in recent shows, including vacation-proofing your house, the return on investment when you do remodels of your home, and also just a general summer checklist of things around the house you can look for and help improve. Uh, you look a little tan and well-rested, Donnie. What would you do this week? Yeah, we had actually um, we cut out for a couple of days. Uh, we had a fishing trip, and we get one of these annually. It's sponsored by Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply, who is also one of the sponsors for our show. But mm-hmm. they're so gracious just to take us out of town, and we didn't have to pay for anything. We actually did. We, we paid for the fuel to get down there, but they covered all of our fishing expenses, all of our food for two days, and it was just a great time and, and good to get away for a minute. Well, I really appreciate you not inviting me. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> so now it's back the job at hand of roofs it, and work. It is. It's been really intense, and we're still not seeing a big slowdown from the hailstorm that hit just a couple weeks ago. Actually, we had two in the area, so if one didn't get you, the other one probably did. And uh, before we dive into those details, I wanted to just put out there, uh, we're pretty well connected around the triangle and the triad as well. And just wanted to mention, if there's anybody out there that's looking for work, and if you're a subcontractor or skilled labor and you have a valid driver's license, you know, you separate yourself from more competition than you realize. So get in touch with us at thecarolinacontractor.com, and maybe we can uh, put you with someone who could use your your skill set or a homeowner who might need a job done that's outside of our wheelhouse. So get in touch with us. Give us your information. We'll get the vetting process started. We'll go ahead and get your insurance certificates and that sort of thing if that's required for your trade, and hopefully get you lined up with some people. Again, you can find that contact information at thecarolinacontractor.com. Now, Don, you're talking about hail damage on roofs and homes, and past couple of weeks have talked about it, things you need to look for, what SureTop Roofing can mm-hmm. do. They can come out to your house and check it for you and determine if you need some repairs or replacement. But the big issue, and we mentioned this before, is what we call drive-by roofers. Mm-hmm. Companies, Yeah, they come in after a storm or some sort of natural event, and their job is to make money, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it in an upright manner. Well, the North Carolina Department of Justice on their website issued an alert for just this problem. And again, it's drive-by roofers. Here's my personal experience. The other day I'm driving home. I live in Wilson, so we we do the show here in Raleigh. And I'm on uh, 64 coming up to the the 264 split, and I decided to take the exit there at Led Zebulon because I wanted barbecue. And right there on the side of the road is three or four signs, all roofing companies. The one thing, what do you think it is, Donnie, that stood out (laughs) among all of them? I don't know. Lay it on me. The phone numbers, none of them from North or South Carolina. Uh. One of them was a white poster board with magic marker written on it with the number, just said roof repair and call this number. Those are the things that the North Carolina Department of Justice is recommending you avoid. If you go to the website, ncdoj.gov, you can find a listing of some of the things that they say to look out for. 
One of them is that these roofers will require you to sign an exclusive contract, but mm-hmm. there's another name for this, it, Donnie. It's actually called a contingency agreement, and this is something that they use every time a hailstorm or a hurricane hits, and uh, it really backs a homeowner into a corner. Some of these things are legally legit, and some of them aren't worth the paper they're written on, but we just advise all homeowners to not sign anything with someone who's knocking on your door. And uh, what this agreement does is it basically allows them to negotiate directly with your insurance company, and it contractually binds you to use them as a roofer if the insurance company does pay for your full roof replacement. So some folks have come to us and asked us to help them out of that, but that's a problem that you'll have to actually consult an attorney for. But uh, it's a lot of trouble to go through, and it's something that's not on the up and up, so I don't recommend them signing anything. They may have have a different name for it other than a contingency agreement, but all those are the same, and you want to watch out for that. Now, also under North Carolina law, and again, this is from the NCDOJ site, you can cancel a contract within three days of signing it. However, if you cancel a drive-by roofer's contract after three days, you can be hit with massive fees. Mm -hmm. So you want to avoid that. One other thing, unlike, say, Suretop Roofing, you have a reputation. Mm -hmm. If you do crappy work, or you take advantage of people, you go out of business because people will say, don't don't mess with this company. These drive-by roofers will come into town. They don't have a reputation. They'll change their name temporarily because how hard is it to make fake business cards, Mm -hmm. to make a company name, and you will never find them again. And what happens if a week later your roof leaks or shingles are coming off or you have a problem? Who are you going to contact? Call that number. I guarantee you it's not in service anymore. And just to mention one thing, when you told me about this, I posted that list that you mentioned from the NCDOJ. It's a really comprehensive list. It was put together by the attorney general, it looks like. So all this stuff is legit. It's a lot of things that we cover on the show, but it's condensed into a nice, easy-to-read format there online. And we have a link to it on the SureTop Roofing page. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that the NCDOJ.gov website has for consumers, not just about roofing. Great resource when you want to make a big purchase or you need information about a business, you can find it right there. But now on to the big part of the show. Donnie came in not only well-rested from a fishing trip, <laughs> very excited about basically it kind of like a new product for yes. roofing. Yep. And it's called the T-Stud. That's, you know, it's interesting. That's my wife's nickname for me. <laughs> Sorry, is that too far? Yeah, no, that's that's great. I never, I wish I'd known that long before now, and I'd have been calling you that on the air. But um, you know, I read about these new products all the time, and this one is literally going to change the game. As simple as the name sounds, it's going to make a big difference in the envelope of the building or the house that's under construction if someone opts to use these things. But I'll try to break it down as simple as possible. What this is is an insulated stud, and that doesn't sound very interesting or complex, but um, these T-studs are made in five-and-a-half-inch width, so that matches a two-by-six exactly. I think we mentioned in an earlier program, I'm a big fan of doing two-by-six exterior walls when we build a house. That creates a really nicely insulated envelope for the house, and the reason this T-stud is such a genius invention is that When we insulate these houses, I had mentioned that we do flash and bat, which is one inch of spray foam, and then we put an R19 behind that. So you're achieving somewhere in the neighborhood of an R25. Well, if you can picture that cavity being an R25, everywhere there's a stud, you reduce that down to an R6. So in terms of convective heat transfer, let me paint you a picture of the southern elevation of your home that's getting all the sun exposure and say it heats up the vinyl siding on the outside of your house that in turn transfers the heat to the exterior plywood or osb whatever you have there that heat is constantly trying to transfer to the inside of the house well the chances of it getting through that r25 are really limited but 
that R6 of a 2x6 that you have actually creates a thermal bridge and it allows that heat transfer to happen ever so easy. So no matter how well insulated the home is, everywhere you have a, a traditional wood stud, it's a vulnerable point for heat transfer to take place. What this product is, is basically an engineered truss stood up on its side. So if you've ever seen a floor truss with all the webs in between, they take something that looks about like a 2x3 on each side, and they connect these things with dowels. And like I said, it's only 5.5 inches wide, so it does mimic that 2x6. And what that those dowels allow you to do is insulate between the inner and outer part of that stud. So it actually gives you as much as an R20. So if you have this R25 in the cavities, you can have an R20 everywhere you have a stud. And those studs, like I mentioned, are only about an R6.8 in terms of heat resistance. What you are achieving here is actually a thermal break instead of that thermal bridge. And in terms of what that does for your efficiency, they say that it improves it by 290%. That's a big deal. So um, the more I looked into this, the bigger of a fan I was. And a few other things that it helps with are are just the structural integrity of the house. These are rated four times stronger than a traditional 2x4. And the gentleman who invented these actually made a comment that he had a two-foot T-stud, and it actually held up to 36,000 pounds without failing, just a little short, stubby member of the same thing, and that's a really big deal. A few other things, just to touch on the engineering standpoint, is that the wind load testing is off the charts. It actually passed the hurricane wind test without having the exterior sheathing on the house, and that's pretty strong. Sound transmission, this, these are virtually soundproof, and so if you go to the trouble to insulate your house well, this will definitely help with a soundproofing aspect, but it's mold resistant, rot resistant. The uh, fire rating on it is better than a traditional stud. One of the things that I think will come into play during the installation is that you only have a single top plate and a single bottom plate, whereas that could be a double in traditional framing. And there's a lot more wood used in a wall in terms of cripples and king studs and things like that than is required of these T-studs. So if you've got a bunch of framers out there and they're putting a wall together, these are on two-foot centers versus a 16-inch center. You've only got the single plates, and you have a lot less framing around window headers and things like that. So when you have a group of guys that are standing these heavy walls up, they can do this with less labor than they would be able to traditionally, and that makes a big difference to your framer, believe me. We've always been a fan in the past of insulated headers, and these things basically achieve that without doing anything special. We used to sandwich a piece of polyiso or rigid foam insulation in between the 2x10s on the headers just to keep that from being an air space or a void for heat transfer to take place. And, um, you know, in terms of the whole house, 25% of your house is wood, and this product is really only used on the exterior walls. So people think it's going to cost a lot more to go with a product like this, but if you're only talking about half the wood, then that's not a really big deal. The gentleman that sells these or is promoting these says that on the average house, it's about 1800 to $2,000 more for the framing package. Now, that sounds like a big deal, but when you look on the back end, the payback from the insulation value and the deductions that you make during the construction process, it's not as much as you think. What this allows you to do is reduce the size of heating and air unit you have, and that saves you on your utilities monthly having a smaller tonnage on your heating and air. I think that traditionally it's about 600 square feet per ton, whereas if you go all spray foam in a house, it jumps that number up to about 900 to 1,000 square feet per ton. So definitely reduces the size of the HVAC need. And last but not least, there are energy rebates available that more than cover the cost of this. I know that this product originated in Minnesota, and it has spread out in that area and hasn't quite made it to the southeast yet, but it's on the way, and I assume that North Carolina will accommodate a product like this by giving you a nice tax credit if you choose to use it.
That's Donnie Blanchard with Shirtop Roofing explaining the T-stud, something you wish you had come up with the idea for. Yeah, that's that falls under the category of why didn't I think of that? We should do a little segment on the show. And, uh, you know, I've tried to explain this and hit all the high spots. But if you want more information about it, the website is very simple. It is T-stud.com. You can go to the website and get more information about that, and that actually sounds exciting because the energy savings alone, compared to the cost to have it put in, is huge. All right, you ready for questions? It's our favorite part of the show. I think so. All right, he's he's well-rested. He's got some fishing in. He's tan. <laughs> Donnie Blanchard of SureTop Roofing will be answering questions that were submitted to the website at thecarolinacontractor.com. Those are up next, so hang on. We'll be back with more The Carolina Contractor, presented by SureTop Roofing. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to The Carolina Contractor with your host, Donnie Blanchard, presented by SureTop Roofing. And welcome back to this Father's Day weekend edition of The Carolina Contractor. And it's time for questions. Donnie, are you ready? I think so. See what we got. If you have a question about your roof, your house, or uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl, just go to the website, (laughs) thecarolinacontractor.com, submit your question there. Donnie will uh, check all of them. We like to read them on the air. So we'll start off with question numero uno. We called our claim in, and the adjuster still hasn't been out. What's a reasonable amount of time to wait? A lot of people are probably doing that because of the hailstorms. That's it. Well, there's the first wave of claims that come in, and people know exactly what to do. And then you also have the people who hang tight, and they want to have it verified by a roofer, which is a great thing to do, and that's the due process that's on the up and up. But a lot of these adjusters are getting 50 to 100 claims dropped on one individual person. A lot of times they're from out of state, and that's okay in this situation with Mm -hmm. an adjuster. But um, these guys are scheduling four or five a day, and they still have to write those claims up after they get out of the field. So these guys are working 10, 12, 13-hour days. Um, I would just advise these folks to be patient with them because a lot of the times these guys are away from their family. And if you're the, the homeowner that works with them, say you have hail damage, it's not terrible, and it may be on the fence whether or not your whole roof gets approved. If you're that person who treats them the right way and is easy to work with, I think that they will take that in consideration when they are giving you a thumbs up or a thumbs down on a replacement. So just hang tight if you can. Once that paperwork comes in, the next step is to call a roofer, of course. We would love for you to call us, but Definitely want to advise, call somebody local with a good reputation. And while you're waiting on the adjuster, is a good time to do your due diligence on that aspect. Question number two submitted to the CarolinaContractor.com. Our house has wooden overhangs, and the wood appears to be rotten in several places. What do you recommend? Well, we actually went out and looked at this one. Um, this house was about 60 years old, and uh, that that long ago, they didn't have the same products that they have available now. Uh, the first thing I told these folks is we need to figure out where the water is coming in. If they have rotten boxing around their house, then obviously there's a problem with the, the flow of the house and that water is getting somewhere it's not supposed to be. Uh, in this particular case, they had broken shingles down by the gutter line. So when the water that was supposed to go in the gutters uh, didn't make it that far, it actually poured out down in the boxing. And over time, that was able to rot out several sections of their boxing. They also had a few other places that were harder to see. Uh, the fascia was rotten on two different elevations, and the reason that was is that their gutter troughs had filled up and the water 
was running over the back edge of the gutter mm-hmm. because the gutter was improperly secured. So they had two or three things going, and, and that's the first thing to do is address where the water intrusion is coming in. As far as the replacement and the putback, uh, they have a product that we're a fan of. It's it's a PVC product, and it's a one by six that looks exactly like a wooden one by six, but usually comes in white. So if you have white trim, you know there's no painting necessary. And the best thing to do is go back with a PVC product or something that's you know rot resistant and that you don't have to maintain. Um, the other option, if you're not a fan of a, a vinyl or a trim coil, is that you could go back with fiber cement. The popular word for that is hardy plank, and hardy is just mm. a particular brand in the fiber cement world. But uh, if you choose to go back with a fiber cement option, in this case, you're going to have to paint that, say, every 10 to 15 years. If you do opt for that, I just want to throw this out there that getting the good paint could make a big difference. So if you have to paint your house, say, three times in the life of the house versus two, that's thousands of dollars saved just by getting a good quality paint. Um, and um, the cheapest option, and what we're going to do on this particular house is we're going to change out the soffit boards that are rotten. We're going to change out the fascia boards that are rotten with just regular pine one by six. And we're actually going to wrap this with trim coil. And that's what you see on a lot of houses. So the fascia will actually be wrapped with trim coil and that'll extend up. And a lot of folks like to turn that trim coil out under the edge of the roof. So it acts like a support, almost like a drip edge for the shingle on the bottom side. This is kind of neat. This particular house did not have adequate ventilation. So instead of changing all the soffit out, we're going to actually remove some of the soffit that they have, and we're going to install something called vented vinyl soffit. And in doing that, we're going to get these folks more than enough attic ventilation, and that should help the life of the shingles that they currently have and uh, put them back whole. I like to talk on this subject a little bit more from my personal experience, because one of the reasons I'm here, aside from bringing Donnie mineral water during (laughs) the breaks, is I'm a homeowner, and I've seen a lot of these problems. My house, we had rain coming off the gutters. The gutters weren't able to take all the water in, it would back up and it was going back behind one corner mm-hmm. at the front. How did I find out this problem? When I noticed my soffit had started to rot out and mm-hmm. sag. Another potential solution is a six-inch gutter. Most of the gutters that you see, of course, are called K-style seamless aluminum gutters, mm-hmm. and they're five inches. So it doesn't sound like a big jump from a five to a six-inch application, but a six-inch gutter normally ranges a dollar or two more per foot, and the downspouts are the same size, but that gutter, that extra inch of gutter trough will allow you to handle an exponential amount of volume versus that five-inch. Questions to thecarolinacontractor.com. Number three, what is an LSL, and how does it compare to an LVL? I have no idea. (laughs) We got this question uh, (laughs) last week, and LSLs aren't commonly known because they're not commonly used. But um, if you're thinking about the acronym with an S in the middle, does that ring any kind of bell of any other building product that has an S in the middle? You're asking the wrong person. (laughs) So OSB, everybody's heard of OSB. When you walk into Lowe's, that's the first thing in the contractor section that you see, and they're always advertising the price of OSB. Uh, OSB is the product that you use on the sidewalls of all your elevations. It's what goes under the shingles on the roof. So it's a, a popular product, but we always make the joke in construction that OSB is just sawdust and glue. Um, the alternative to the OSB is real plywood. Both are called, the slang for both is half-inch OSB or half-inch plywood. Um, it's really seven-sixteenths when you get down to it, kind of like a two-by-four is only three-and-a-half inches. Uh, but mm-hmm. seven-sixteenths is the appropriate number for that. But um what it stands for is laminated strand lumber, like the uh, OSB is oriented strand board. So this is basically like a two-by-four version of OSB, for lack of a long explanation. The difference between that and plywood is that the uh, like the plywood is much stronger than the OSB. However, 
We kind of like the OSB because it has zero tendency to warp. It's almost like an engineered wood product. So as long as you keep water off that thing, it should do its job and and stay straighter str- and just as strong. Um, but the um, the LVL versus the LSL, to answer the question, an LVL is co- comparable to the real plywood in terms of it being a bunch of sheets of wood pressed together and glued together. And those LVLs we commented a few shows ago are what allow these homes that have the kitchen and the living room all in one where you have this big open span with no walls. LVLs are the way that we're able to achieve that in construction. Um, LSLs, I've seen them used as studs in houses, and I've seen folks put those behind areas where cabinets were going to be screwed into, and that just guarantees you a straight uh, perfect surface. Um, but the main place you see is if you open up a cabinet door, you've got this nice, beautiful veneer on the outside of the cabinet. But if you look inside the cabinet, it's normally something that looks like the OSB, like the mm-hmm. sawdust and <laughs> sawdust and glue look. But um, a lot of times these LSLs are used in cabinet construction because they are perfectly straight and similar to OSB. They're really not vulnerable to anything except water. So once they get wet, they really don't hold up. And that's one of the drawbacks and why people don't use those in traditional framing. Uh, a couple other products that are related, if you guys want to look these up, are PSLs and OSLs. I won't go into what those are. That's a topic for another show. But, you know, uh, if you want to read about the engineered wood, LVLs, LSLs, PSLs, and OSLs are four of the most popular products out there. Before we go to the next question, you were mentioning plywood. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw a question someone had a while back, and they said they'd hired a roof contractor, and in the contract it said – if roof damage beneath the shingles is apparent, meaning the damaged plywood, mm-hmm. if it's damaged, they're going to remove it and install new. Mm-hmm. What do you usually do? Well, when there's a significant amount of plywood, what we do is have the guys take pictures of the damaged plywood in several areas. Mm-hmm. Um, we normally replace the whole sheet. It, it's almost more labor-intensive and uh, less cost-effective to piece all the, the damaged areas rather than just pulling that whole sheet and putting a new one in there and rolling on with it. But um yeah, we, we definitely document that. We provide our guys with smartphones in the field so that they can take pictures of anything they see. And a lot of times we call the homeowner right away and say, hey, if you want to come take a look at this and lay eyes on this in person, then, you know, the roof is exposed right now. But another trick we tell homeowners to do, if you want to see how many pieces of wood replaced, and you can't always see from the inside, but go in your attic. A yeah. lot of times these uh, these brand new pieces of plywood are going to look a lot different than what was there. And uh, just take a look in the attic and, and count for yourself is a easy way to check that. All right. One more question we're going to do that was submitted to thecarolinacontractor.com. What to do when you lose power? Summer uh, edition. What are some of the things you need to do when you lose power in the summer? Yeah, this was a good question because, to be honest, this really doesn't cross your mind in the summer until it happens. So um, I tell folks a lot of times – Preparation is the key. Um, buy a lot of water. I know water is heavy, but it's inexpensive. And if you have a place that you can store that water in a decent environment, not outside, not in the attic, or not under the house, of course, but if you can store that water, we, we at my personal house store as much as we can possibly hold because uh, if you lose power and you don't have a way to get out and about and uh, and get a hold of that water, then and you know when when a widespread power outage occurs, the water flies off the shelf. So mm-hmm. it's always good to have a backup there. But staying hydrated is probably the most important. As far as the house, when that power goes out, it's going to come back on. Hopefully, um, having a surge protector hooked up to most of your appliances that are expensive is is a really cheap thing to do. Um, we have something called a whole house surge protector, and when we built the house, I think it cost around two hundred dollars. But we have a surge protector that protects everything in our house, and that goes right there on the panel. So that's a good thing to do if you can afford to do that or if you know an electrician. You can have battery-powered fans around, and, and similar to 
people keeping candles. You know, you just keep a fan supply with plenty of batteries. Um, a, a small solar panel is a really neat thing. Solar panels have come so far that you can spend a hundred or two hundred dollars to have a solar panel in storage that will say charge up your smartphone. You know, you could keep a radio hooked to it and just several of the small things that you don't think about until you lose power that, that you're going to need. But, um, one of those common sense things is inspect your screens. If you're going to have windows open or if the power is going to be out for an extended amount of time, take a lap around your house, make sure all your screens are intact. Uh, the last thing you want besides no power is bugs in the house. And, um, you know, something that we also do, uh, my wife hates this, but we, we fill up all the old milk jugs or all the old water jugs with water and we keep those in our basement. You're still going to have to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. if you don't have power. So you can take the back lid off of a toilet and put one gallon or a half a gallon of water in there. And you can still have a toilet that operates just like you had electricity. Um, what we like to do is we keep all of our juice containers. The, the walls of juice containers, I'm guessing because of the acidity, are thicker than a milk jug. And so if you're going to keep water in something for, say, three, four, five years, they seem to work really well. We kept all the water jugs from when we had to make formula for our babies, and uh, and those work really well. And uh, just, a, just a nice game plan to have those. But that's all the preparation I have as far as what to do when the power actually goes out. Keep your refrigerator and freezer closed as much as possible. Every time you open that thing up, you're losing a lot of cool air. And uh, they say that a full freezer will keep longer than a half freezer, I guess because it's more frozen items in there. But um, limit the amount of times you do that. Limit the amount of times you open your door to the outside. When we talked about all that positive pressure that's always pushing on your house, every time you open and close that door, you're letting a little bit of the air inside out, or uh, rather a lot of that hot air outside in, and that's going to change the overall temperature. And here's one of the things you can do also. And, again, this is prep you can do when you know a hurricane's on the mm-hmm. way. There's a good chance you'll lose power. Yep. Take water bottles, whether you bought them or filled them up. Mm-hmm. Put them in the freezer ahead of time. Let them freeze. Mm. You have a double advantage. You have something that's going to fill up the freezer, help keep it cooler. Mm. And then if days go on, what happens when those water bottles thaw? Right. You have bottles cold of water. water. Yeah. And it'll still be cold. So you can put those in it, too. Uh, anything else think yeah, about? The last thing I was going to say is uh, if you have towels, blankets, that sort of thing, it's always smart to hang those over the windows on the south-facing side. That'll keep a lot of the heat transfer from the sun beating down on the house. And, you know, if this goes on for a couple of days, then it'll drastically decrease the temperature in the house to not have all that sunshine. Now, the thing we did at our house to make sure we're prepared in case we lose power for an extended amount of time is bought a generator, mm-hmm. and we hooked up uh, the Internet and the PS4 so my son can play Fortnite because <laughs> I would not be able to deal with four or five days of, I can't play my game. So there's something else to consider, a little helpful tip for you parents out there with little kids. If you have questions, you can go to the website, the Carolina Contractor. Dot com. Donnie Blanchard with Top Roofing is going to be in next week. Uh, what do you got planned for next week's show? We're hitting a, a lot of details on these uh, solar shingles. It's been really popular well, question over and over. shingles, not y- yes, panels. solar shingles. And so uh, these things have been pioneered by several different people. I think Tesla kind of took the wheel and took these things to another level. But we've got uh, one of our guys from SureTop in, and he is the guy who studies up on all these details, and I think he's going to be able to shed some light on where this is now, where it's going, and how realistic it is financially. Shed some light. I, I see what oh, you did I there. Oh, I didn't even plan that. that yeah. was All right, so tune in next week, 3 o'clock. We'll have another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. And again, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And what does your dad want for Father's Day? He wants a new roof. So contact SureTopRoofing.com and get him a new roof. He'll love that. Have a great weekend and happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor, presented by Sure Top Roofing. 
brought to you by GAF Roofing, Shingles and Materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com and tune in next Saturday as we continue to help make your home great again. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. 